FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to A Conversation with Edward Dowd. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and tonight is Thursday, August 31st in the year 2023. Tonight we have a fantastic interview with Edward Dowd. And for those of you that may not know him, he is a former analyst and hedge fund manager for BlackRock, incredible brain, amazing person with data. And he's the one who's also established very firmly with the data that this vax has been just annihilating the millennial class and really wiping out the labor base of the United States, among other things. He's also going to give some updates on Maui and and talk about some of the things that have been going on there kind of from a firsthand perspective. Lots of good information tonight. Now, Patriots, one thing to be absolutely aware of, we are in a crisis right now of, of an epic proportion. We are dealing with a tyrannical government that are run by psychopath elites that literally what they're trying to do is ravage the economy for their benefit. One of those things to be concerned about is your retirement wealth. To, te- to deal with that, what you need to do is be focused on getting that secured in a way that will give you wealth preservation in the midst of a economic storm. So best place to do that, text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That'll take you to a, it'll give you an information packet from Birch Gold. And those folks at Birch Gold will be able to advise you on the best way to handle your retirement savings, which hopefully will be something leading you to a, well, not hopefully, they'll just tell you. They want you to back it with precious metals, getting into the precious metals, tax-deferred IRAs and, and 401ks. So don't waste time. Text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, and you're going to get that free info packet. Get yourself informed. That way you have a good, solid amount of information. It doesn't cost you anything. I mean, your phone should be flying off the hooks right now. I'm just doing that all real quick. Get all that information underneath you. And when you do that, then you're going to be able to Make a good assessment, an honest decision of how to best handle your wealth. Folks at Birch Gold are fantastic. They have been working with Bards Nation for over a year. Super honored and great feedback on everything they do. So again, text Bards, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. Now, Patriots, there's obviously a lot going on in our world right now. And some of the big things that are going on are the looming threat of a new COVID con and rollout of another level of vaccines. We have the continued death toll from the first wave of vaccines, which has not been at all positive. We have the fires in Lahaina and Maui, which continue to stir a lot of questions as to what exactly was going on. And there's many perspectives on that and many questions as well that remain. And of course, we have the continued push by the World Economic Forum, the WHO, and our treasonous government to try to strip away our rights and force us into some form of a tyrannical one-world order backed by the 30% of retards in this company in this country that actually think that's a good idea, that somehow by eating bugs and stopping cow farts that they're going to save the world. I, I wish world problems were that simple. But it does stun me 
how ridiculous some people can be. It's pretty amazing. We are really dealing with a challenged time would be an understatement. And with that, it's going to require the continued pursuit of truth in everything that we do. And that means pressing hard into truth in this hour, even when people don't want to hear it. Unfortunately, um, there's a lot of people that are very comfortable. And I think Tucker has a pretty good piece here, just a clip from what he has, one of his recent talks, that puts a pretty good perspective on what we're dealing with. The ruling party is the party of the childless, the unmarried, the people who are working for low wages for large corporations and living in tiny apartments in overcrowded cities that are rife with crime. People who are working for big nonprofits, or big banks, living in crowded conditions, very often alone in big soulless cities, having their food delivered by immigrants and spending their time glued to a screen. What does that sound like to you? It sounds like prison, actually. It sounds like prison. Well, it does. It sounds exactly like prison. And this is why the 15-minute city model has become so attractive to so many. They're, they don't know anything different, nor do they have any idea what it's like to truly be free or live in liberty. Their concepts of liberty are about boxes and containment, and their freedom is on the web in a digital inter universe or ver metaverse where they're unlimited to do whatever they want, and they seek it. That's even worse, because going into the metaverse, there are no rules. You can rape people. You can murder people. You can have child pornography. You can have child pedophilia, and there's no rules in the metaverse. So they get there. These are literally people that have been dehumanized and they've been pushed into these tight spaces, living in, in boxes. And as they live in boxes and these this functionalist world with no function in their job, their jobs are really soulless and take away much of who they actually are. In the process, they just become worn down and deprogrammed and reprogrammed from being a human to being a drone. Now, with that in mind, I mean, it's important to keep in mind as well, as we kind of set the context for tonight of, of this show, that take a look at, take a listen to this of what China is doing right now and the and kind of the direction that they want to take us. You heard what they're doing in China right now? What do you mean? They're implementing AI in every aspect of China oh, right man. now. And all these little kids, they're wearing like this headband, like this plastic thing that has a light on it, and it tracks if they're paying attention or not. Oh no. What? Oh, and if they're this. not, the light goes off and the teacher's informed. It goes as far as to send messages to the parents of oh, your wow. child paid attention this many hours today and didn't pay attention oh, this many hours. Oh, I don't like that. And so it's like getting into every aspect of AI. They're like making them like robots, yeah. dude. That's a sad childhood. It is a sad childhood and it's what the elites seek to have because the more they can traumatize people, the more people are literally conditioned to being under their control and under the one world order control. But there's there's really more hope in all of this than it may seem. And you're going to hear it tonight from Ed Dowd near the end of it. I want you to pay very close attention when we have a discussion later on in the interview where he talks about the impact of what's forcing investors to change. And he's going to talk about the type of profile that very briefly, um, the types of people that are investors, that investor class, but ultimately what's forcing them to change away from some of these crazy ideas, ESG scores, things that are pushing woke philosophies and why they're going the other way and abandoning them. And it ultimately comes down to our choices as consumers. So like it or not, and we talk about it a lot, our impact of what we buy, how we spend, what we do truly does impact at the end of the day, the large investors. 
And it's important that we keep that in mind in everything we do because our dollars literally are a vote. And it may not seem like it right away, but the one the fact is that at the end of the day, it's coming down to the bottom line of profits. And Ed's going to talk about some of that tonight as well. Keep your prayers up for Lahaina and Maui. Lots of disruption over there. Strange reports continuing to come out that we are trying to confirm with some other intelligence. Be careful on how much you're spreading some of these rumors. It's difficult to say if there if what is all going on there, but keep an eye on everything and approach things with a jaundice eye. And seriously, everything right now is very important that we question everything and look hard at everything. The one thing I respect so much about Ed Dowd is he's looking at hard numbers and everything he does, he stipulates between what the numbers and then what his projection is. And that comes from his roots of being an amazing analyst and, and portfolio manager. I think his portfolio worth that he was managing was something like 14 billion at BlackRock. So, and I could be wrong on those numbers, but I think that was the, the number he gave me in the previous interview. So great interview. Ed is an outstanding human being and just is really dedicating himself right now to try to keeping getting these numbers and this data together for the world to see what the impact of the shots are. So, you know, this is the sort of dedication we all need to have to press the truth, spread the truth, and awaken the many that are still walking around in, in the land of the virtual zombies, I guess we might say. Patriots, before we get going here, just keep in mind that Food is a weapon system. It's going to be a weapon system. They're going to continue to use food as a weapon system. And on top of that, the infrastructure that we're dealing with on a global supply chain is starting to break down. Take good time to prepare yourself for these disruptions that we we are seeing coming at us. There's no way of knowing how bad they'll be or how long they'll be, but you need to be prepared. And a good food plan is critical to that. That means you have to have as a baseline emergency foods. My Patriot Supply is is a one of the is the top supplier of emergency food. Emergency foods in this case are really going to be classified as things that can sit on your shelf for 25 years and be ready to go in a moment's notice. It's a my it's a one of those things of peace of mind that you have when you invest in them. It's a great insurance policy. And it's there with 2,000 calories a day and amazing flavor of everything they have. So right now they have an amazing sale. If you go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, you're going to get $200 off on the three-month supply system, food supply system. I encourage you to get one for every member of your family. It gives you a baseline of everything you need. It's relevant, it's important, and it's part of that insurance that we need in our families as we approach this crazy world ahead and in the months ahead as things seem to be increasingly nuts. But keep in mind, too, that we haven't even seen the full of this yet because the food systems have been stressed, and there is going to be increase in costs. Today, they announced to expect $300 a barrel for oil. That ripple effect from the farmer all the way up to the grocery store, the transportation of all goods is going to start becoming astronomically high, and you're going to see the real course of inflation. That means people are literally going to have to make hard choices between eating and rent. Tragic, and it's coming at us. So be prepared. Go to My Patriot Supply, My Patriot Supply, or better, go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, so you can see and take advantage of the great discounts that are there on these three months' emergency food systems. All right, Patriots, with that, allow me to introduce you again to Edward Dowd. Patriots, super honored today to have Ed Dowd back on the show probably one of the most brilliant minds in this time of looking at the, the numbers, understanding what they mean, truly helping us understand the, 
the death tolls and the magnitude of the impact of this shot. He's also been heavily instrumental in assembling the the list for families to um, be supported in the fire of Lahaina. So we've got a lot to cover today. And if you haven't acquired his book, highly recommended. I mean, I have it. It's a great book, Cause Unknown. And he'll talk about that as well. So Ed, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on again. Honored to be here, Scott. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Let's where do you want to start? Because there's a whole bunch of stuff that's transpired since we last talked. Do you want to start with Lahaina or your research? I'm open either way. Let's 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 do Lahaina, and then we'll move on to the other uh, prophet of doom uh, work that I'm doing. <laughs> it's okay. Sounds good. All right. So let's get some ground truth on Lahaina. We talked a little bit before the show, but it is a, it's from what we're seeing. This has been probably one of the greatest colossal failures of government we've had in, in our recent history. Yeah. Let's talk about the death toll. So, you know, I put out a tweet fairly early on that I was hearing that the uh, number from first responders was 500 to 1,000 dead. Um, uh, then there was, uh, you know, a lot of uh, press trying to get answers, the, the local government officials not giving any. The governor of uh, Hawaii uh, decided to throw them under the bus, went on Face the Nation, and uh, uh, admitted that there are over a thousand miss still missing, and a lot of them are going to be children. So uh, there the, the, there was a concerted effort, I think, by the governor to distance himself from the local officials because he went out with the lie that the war early warning system was broken. That turned out not to be true. There was actually a decision not to sound the sirens. We have a siren system on all the islands of Hawaii that are tested the first Monday of every month. I've been hearing these these uh, alarms for the nine years I've been here on Maui. Uh, my town, Kia, has one. Lahaina had one. And the man responsible for that uh, did uh, issue, um, uh, had a press conference, and he said he stood by his decision not to sound the alarm because, um, you know, it, he was worried people would run to higher ground thinking it was a tsunami. <laughs> but all you had to do was step outside your door and see smoke and fire everywhere to know that that was not the case. So, and then he stood by that decision, then he resigned the next day claiming health issues. So the the, the cover up at this point is about the, the, the death toll. And, you know, and this, the thing we need to fundamentally ask in 2023, we have local government officials and the FBI now involved, not able to come up with a hard number. Now, the FBI just put out a list, 388 supposedly dead, they think. There's going to be another list coming out on Monday. There's still a lot of people missing. So, you know, one of the one of the takeaways from this tragedy is breakdown of local government. They, they literally failed on like six different fronts. I'll get into that. But, you know, the general thing we need to ask ourselves is why can't we come up with a number or at least a, an estimate in this day and age? I mean, this is a joke. We have technology. There are phones that could be pinged. I mean, there's all sorts of things they could do to come up with an estimate. In fact, uh, the locals had a better estimate than everybody else because they put out a Google document crowdsourced where people could uh, come in and say so-and-so was missing, and then they were found, so it was updated. As of like a week ago, it was um, it was uh, 885. And uh, so there we are. We're basically... Uh, in a cover-up mode, in my humble opinion, the electric utilities failed. The power was supposedly on when the winds were raging. The fire hydrants didn't work. 
They didn't sound the tsunami alarms. They didn't release the water in time from uh, the upper uh, plantations that was controlled by the Department of Land and Natural Resources. Uh, they were blocking certain exits uh, and, uh, and the fire hydrants didn't work. So we just had a host uh, of epic failures. It's absolutely incredible. And the children number is outrageous. I mean, there is, from what I'm hearing most recently, they claim that a the three of the three thousand missing, a thousand enrolled in private schools. Which I, I don't. I mean, I don't know Maui, but it, that seems questionable because that's not easy to get kids in private school. Yeah, I don't think the number of children uh, is going to be that high. So I think the total death toll will be somewhere between five hundred and a thousand, with you know maybe a third being children because they did cancel school in the morning, and a lot of the parents of the local Hawaiian population are two family income. So parents weren't home. That's crazy. I mean, just unbelievable level of, of disaster in that area. And it's, is there really much left in Lahaina? It's very difficult to tell. We've had some good drone footage, but other than that, we really don't get a lot out. It's a couple square miles, maybe two to five square miles has been leveled. And it was a historic Lahaina town, wooden structures, a lot of propane tanks, a lot of, you know, these restaurants had propane tanks. There was a, supposedly a gas station that blew up when a transponder fell into it. And then there was just explosion after explosion. And, you know, I, I have people that I've talked to that had to run into the water that have, you know, they saw a lot of people are talking directed energy weapons. The fire was so hot, you know, a car would eventually, its tires would heat, explode, and the, you know, the aluminum engine block would heat and explode. And then that's, that's what was going on. I mean, I don't think there were directed energy weapons. I have not seen any evidence of that. It was literally a tinderbox waiting to happen at some at some point. And look, if if I if someone gets me photographs uh, of uh, you know plastic not burnt and but metal around it, you know melted, you know, I'll I'll come back on the show. But I, uh, a couple of people said they were going to go get me those photos. I've yet to see one, so that 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 gives me suspicion that there are no photos of plastic being okay and and you know because if it's a microwave energy weapon plastic wouldn't wouldn't melt yeah and that's fair what is your thought just there's been some some discussion about some of the houses that have remained intact and they've been doing some color cor correlations if you've seen that with the blue roofs have you seen that discussion at all no i haven't seen that i mean there 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 were million dollar homes uh that that disappeared it, it was uh the luck of the draw um and, you know, there's lots, I'm not a fire burn expert, but there's been a lot of good explanations I've heard. There were, you know, there were eyewitnesses who reported they were in their house and they saw their carpet on fire because embers were getting sucked into the air conditioning units. And uh, uh, other people from California jumped in and, 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 and said that, yeah, that happens. That you get the house burned from inside out. Very interesting. There's no question the intensity of the fire was unprecedented. Just what was there right there and lev leveled that entire town and left people you know, stranded, basically, right? Yeah. yeah, people that were in their cars, the ones who got out of their cars and ran into the harbor lived. Those who stayed in their cars perished. Wow, and something else. How is that on the island? Has it changed? I mean, obviously, it's a lot of stress. You have people having to relocate, I'm assuming, to the other part of the island. And that I would just what little I know of Maui, there's not a lot of extra infrastructure to support that. No. So what's been going on, about 20,000 people have been displaced. And, you know, the, the spirit and aloha of Maui is such that a lot of people 
have found, uh, you know, places to stay because of the kindness of, of, of the hearts of others. So that, that'll take care of some of it for now, but long-term there needs to be, uh, this situation needs to be addressed. I suspect a lot of people will end up leaving and having to re relocate, which is sad. Those who own land will probably stay and fight for it. But if, if you were renting in Lahaina and you were a uh, waitress and you're, you know, you're not, you know, you don't have family there, you're probably going to move. So, uh, the, the, the economy of Lahaina is going to take years to come back, and it's the historic portion of Lahaina, Front Street. A lot of the hotels to the uh, uh, further up the road are still standing, you know, the Marriott, the Western, Western, those did not get affected by the fire. Wow. You've been doing the statistics, you're hard on the numbers, and that also leads us right into this disaster we're dealing with with COVIDCon, and they're talking about round two now on the heels of this, and that's got everybody dialed up. Where are we? Well, so a couple things. This is speculation on my part. So I've heard the rumors. Uh, there are government contracts that have been uh, put out there to buy more testing equipment. Uh, they're signaling uh, mandates and masks. They're slow rolling it. They're, they're kind of beta testing it. So I, I do think there's a plan to scare people about a new variant. I think it's going to serve two purposes. It's a cover-up of those who are going to start dying in mass from the vaccine. Because um, I'm seeing, we're seeing an uptick in disabilities and deaths again in 2023, especially amongst younger age folks. We kind of wiped out a lot of the dry tinder in the older folks in 2020 and uh, 2021. So anybody who was kind of weak had kind of taken out. Um, uh, and 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 then I also think they're going to try to cover up uh, or at least point to COVID and lockdowns as a reason why the economy is going to is collapsing. And they'll point to that rather than blame the central bankers or the politicians. So it serves two purposes, to cover up deaths. In my, again, this is all speculation. Cover up the death count that's going to rise, in my humble opinion, and, uh, and, and cover up the financial crisis that's looming that they'll need an excuse to point to because, you know, you can't take the blame. Uh, if you're, I, I, I've, I'm, I've been of the opinion everything you see globally the last several years, it lays at the feet of central bankers and politicians because the, the global financial system is teetering on the edge. And you need you need to point at something other than yourself. Sure, that makes perfect sense. Let's kind of break this up a little bit. Let's start with the financial part of this. How fragile is this economy right now and in, on the global system? Well, so, uh, you know, not only do we do vaccine work, we do economic analysis, and we've projecting a recession this quarter, third quarter, uh, fourth quarter, and first quarter. And the uh, the indicators are such that uh, the real economy has been plummeting. They've done a nice little neat trick. They've um, kind of filled the, the hole a little bit with government spending. So we're going we're gonna to see that the government has ramped up spending beyond anything uh, that we've ever seen before. And deficits are now ballooning. Recently, we had a downgrade of U.S. debt uh, by Fitch. To, you know, from AAA to AA plus or something. And so this is a game of the government trying to prop up the economy through their own spending rather than the private sector. The private sector is in free fall. So, you know, our timing on this recession may be off by a couple months, but eventually reality is coming and uh, it's going to become harder and harder for the mainstream media to point to the stock market uh, as as an indicator of strength, because the stock market underneath the uh, surface of the stock market, it's only six stocks driving this whole thing. So it's it's uh, it's not um, it's not something that uh, 
people know, but when the economy uh, and the stock market match, you'll be seeing headlines. But the econ real economy is bad. Explain something, if you don't mind. I mean, just in, in simple terms, layman's terms. When we talk about an economy where a government is constantly printing money, which has nothing behind it, it's just paper, and yet that economy continues to kind of bump along, why aren't we seeing that that massive, you know, inflationary aspect of overspending not drop the economy faster? Just my curiosity. Um, it, well, it, it eventually is going to come home to roost. The government is... Um... When you when you print money, you're creating debt. When you hear some, when they say, "Oh, the Federal Reserve's printing money," they're creating a debt. Okay, so the debt, our system is a debt-based fiat system. So there's credit creation. Money supply M2 went negative year-over-year year growth in November of 2022. That hasn't happened since 1930. So the, the the credit system is contracting in the real world. So that they're filling the hole by government spending across the globe. And that's not sustainable because eventually you need tax receipts and what have you. So it's a game of chicken at this point, and, it, and it's going to catch at some point. You know, again, you know, it's, it's hard to predict the exact moment. I'm thinking sometime this fall, the stock markets will reflect reality, and then the mainstream media can't hide it anymore. And you see that as a as some are predicting, they, and I'm not holding you to this, but just in your in your interpretation, do you see that's going to be a, a radical fall, like a depression level, or do you think this is going to be kind of a slow die-off or a slow trickle-down? Well, so we had two, you know, let's look at the two big recessions we had. We had the uh, the dot-com bubble burst, and we had the great financial crisis. The dot-com dot -com bubble bursting took two years, and it was a 50% slide in stocks, but it was gradual. The great financial crisis was uh, very fast. They've been trying, if you're the authorities, you want it to be slow and in, imperceptible. There were, you know, people forget, you know, in March, there were some of the biggest bank failures overnight that occurred, and the Fed put a Band-Aid on that. That problem hasn't been solved because banks are still losing deposits because you can go take your money out of a bank earning pretty much zero and put it in a three-month treasury bill and get 5%. So that continues. The banks are upside down. And uh, and, and and that 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 is exactly going to probably at some point lead to a crisis. And they'll increase spending, do government spending, and the Fed will do some sort of emergency measures. So the question is, can they control it or not? If they can't control it, this thing will be fast and furious. If they can control it, it'll be a slow meltdown over time. And controlling it's going to be in terms of the mechanisms, like being able to continue to print money and flood the market. Is that it? Yeah, emergency measures and government spending. But they need a crisis in order to justify that. So they'll, it's a game of chicken. They'll let the economy, uh, well, the economy will get bad. Then they'll have to respond. And it's a question of how, how, how much they respond and whether or not the markets believe them or not. So it's it's. It's, a, you know, I, I'm on record saying it's going to be a long, slow economic decline or a fast one. I can't tell you which one. They want a slow one. Ironically, we want a slow one. A fast one creates panic and chaos, and it's not good for anybody. The numbers that you have done have been eye-opening with relation to this COVID and vax destruction. The last time we talked, you were looking very heavily at the millennial class. And as I recall, your numbers were somewhere around 30% disabled or lost out of the workforce. Has that continued to be a trend? Yeah, that's still a trend. Uh, 
we're in the process of updating our 20, we, 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 our numbers are as of the end of 22, we're starting to update these numbers. That's our current uh, effort. We did just uh, complete an analysis of the UK using 2023 numbers as of June, and, and then we annualize them. Uh, right now, 15 through 44, the excess death in the UK, uh, and that's working class millennials, is 20%. It's the highest it's been since the you know this all began. In 2020, it was uh, 6%. In 21, it shot up to 15.7. Improved a little bit in 22, came back down to 11. Now it shot up to a new high of 20. So we, we and this foots with what we're seeing. My whistleblowers in the insurance industry are seeing a huge uptick in long-term disability claims. The disability data in the U.S. kind of stabilized after hitting a high in September 22 at 34 point or 33.2 million. But then in May, it went to a new slight new high, then shot up a million people. We're at 34.2 million disabled and another 4.2 million. So we, there seems to be some sort of reacceleration, which leads us to believe there's medium term effects now from the vaccine, uh, as opposed to the immediate deaths we saw you know, post-vaccine. There seems to be something going on medium term. It's interesting because many of the, there was a team of five docs, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Larry Pilevsky, uh, Dr. Lee Merritt, Merritt uh, Carrie Madea, and uh, I believe it was uh, and one other, I can't remember right now. But anyway, their predictions in the very beginning of this is this was about a 10-year span of uh, you know, the immediate mortality, a mid-range, and then a terminal point for most at 10. Did your numbers somewhat reflect that in any way? Yeah, so we're seeing waves. So we saw a wave in 21 with the mandates. 22 continued, but now we're seeing a reacceleration in 23, unfortunately, especially amongst younger folks. That's our prime working class foundation of a nation. Yeah. Where do you see that? What do you see that doing to us economically? Well, economically, it's a disaster. Uh, there's going to be labor shortages. That's going to feed into service economy shortages, uh, uh, supply chain shortages goods and services that we take for granted are going to get harder and harder to come by we're already seeing it hospitals uh are um over understaffed overworked and they're chronically getting sick so you're seeing you know healthcare now if you i'll just use maui as an example you went to the emergency room 10 years ago you know i did myself for a kidney stone i was uh, in in a room within 20 minutes hooked up to an iv uh you go now uh, with a serious issue, you might get in after a 13-hour wait. You can go to Sydney, Australia in 13 hours. So that's what's going on. It's it's and, and MRI and CAT scans are being delayed because the rate there's not as many radiologists as there used to be. So this is happening in the UK. It's happening in the US. Our our system of service is 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 now being delayed because uh, there's you know dead, disabled, and, and injured, and injured or chronically ill. The absence rates are off the charts. So our workforce absence rates are up 50% uh, from the normalized rate, and that's uh, impacting those who aren't sick. So it, this is long-term going to be a deflationary event uh, uh, in, in, in a lot of regards, but inflationary in other regards. So we're going to have deflation, inflation kind of going back and forth. Um, it also uh, takes resources that we would spend otherwise on productive things to take care of these people. Um, you know, C Colonel Teresa Long is on record saying that due to the uh, decreased recruitment efforts because of the woke nature of the military combined with the death disabilities and chronic illness, 
we won't have a standing military in five years because you got to understand something. So if you want to fly a plane, you have a pilot. It's not the pilot per se, but the 10 people behind that pilot that, you know, service the plane. Uh, you just get a couple people in that supply chain to uh, not be there and you don't fly a plane. That's absolutely insane. You said about deflation. Can you explain how that works? That's a, I think that's contrary to what people normally think. They typically think of inflationary issues. Yeah, so inf inflation is uh, basically uh, too uh, much uh, money chasing too few goods. Deflation is the opposite. That's a credit contraction. And that's what M2 is indicating, that uh, credit is hard to get and money is created through credit. So we're going to have some some things are going to be expensive and continue to be expensive, but other things will collapse, like housing, stocks, bonds, yeah, not, not government bonds, but corporate credit bonds. There'll be a financial deflation. And there'll be a deflation in other things. Uh, used car prices are plummeting again. So, you know, anything that's a big ticket item, uh, if you can't get credit, it won't be purchased. That's huge. I bump into this all the time, and it's I just call it a cultural myth. And it's that the reason we have labor shortages is because this class of people is lazy and they're on government dole and they're not coming to work. Is there anything to indicate that? So, the, you know, look, we did have government goodies during the lockdowns. And I, I saw it on Maui. You know, they shut down the island. People got uh, income from the government and they were all at the beach getting high, drinking beer every day. That's ended. The government goodies are gone. And if you're... Uh, lower middle class or uh, middle class, uh, you don't have, you know, unless you have a big savings account you can live off of, most people need to put you know food on the table. So I think that's a myth. I think what's really going on is um, people are, uh, you know, we, we, you know, a lot of people, the, the, the deaths aren't that big of a deal in terms of workforce, but the disabled are. About 1.36 million disabled conservatively, then the chronically sick. So it, a lot of people, uh, you know, we've estimated between the dead and the disabled, there's about two, three percent of the work uh, labor pool that just kind of disappeared. And it's a problem. It's huge. I, I was just doing some uh, reading and actually did a show on it the other night on food distribution centers and food processing centers. And to your point, they're, they're, the labor attrition is high. The new labor they can hire coming in isn't trained on the old systems. And then they have these intermittent layoffs, which they don't have the labor to replace them and they can't sustain them. They've fallen from a 60-day food supply for, for stores down to nine days at the distribution holding places. That that's creates a massive fragility within the within the supply chain, it seems. Right. And you got to think about if you're a worker that's uh, healthy and you're at a job where people are calling in sick all the time, you become burned out because you're always covering for them. So, so a lot of times the healthy workers can't take it anymore, quit, and then try to find another job where they, because they're not aware that this is a systemic problem, they think it's you know company specific, they quit to go get a better lifestyle job where they can now work, you know, work normally, not overtime all the time. But they, you know, they go out of the frying pan into the fire because th this is occurring across the economy. Wall Street tends to be relatively emotional on many of the trades, at least by by the trends. Is this hitting their reality at all, or is this at least kind of going off on some perceptions of all things normal? Well, you know, Pfizer stock and Moderna stock have been horrible the last year, so Wall Street's waking up to the uh, financial um, realities of those two uh, companies. 
And secondly, um, you know, Wall Street got jabbed. A lot of the senior leadership forced their employees to get jabbed. So they're not saying anything, but a lot of the mid-level employees are, have been reaching out to me and also viewing our website. My LinkedIn profile is constantly being viewed by uh, Wall Street bank professionals. I don't know their names, but I, I know that they're looking at me. So I think word's slowly getting out. And uh, it's unfortunately the mainstream media and the government have uh, continued to um, push the vaccines because they have to, because they're in cover-up mode. Once they pull the vaccine, that's when it gets really interesting for them. So they won't, because this is what psychopaths do. They act as if everything's fine until the end. Yeah, no, I totally agree. We have the um, Medical Act of 1986, I believe, that gave legal indemnity to these, these companies. That would seem that that is there's a lot of attempts to break that cover down. Is that something financially that would, would be a shockwave, for example, to investors, if that was to have be penetrated? Yeah, so that would hurt a large, large pharmaceutical companies. What, what could ultimately hurt Pfizer and Moderna would be if it could be proven that fraud occurred in the clinical trials, because you don't get immunity if you committed fraud. So there's a whole host of different ways people can come at this. We're probably going to need states' attorney generals to uh, get involved here. That's how they took down big tobacco. Individual lawsuits, you, you know, it's hard to prove your case, but the states' attorney generals get discovery. And that's how they got the big tobacco. They found, you know, emails and documents, you know, saying that, yeah, we're, we're killing people, but so what? Uh, I think, you know, that's the kind of thing we need to take down big pharma is states' attorney generals suing these guys, getting discovery. Last time we talked, part of your project, which you had, I think you'd indicated you somewhat put on hold, but you're building the new actuary tables for investment base. Is that correct? No, no, that's not me. Uh, the, we, we, we analyze things differently than the actuaries. They use a five-year average. Um, that, that's a flawed number primarily because if your population's growing or declining, it will affect, you need to population adjust. So we, th we believe we... We, our excess deaths numbers are better than theirs, and uh, their numbers are just actual claims. So they're they're seeing claims that are continuing to cause them to lose money, uh, and they're going to continue to lose money. And what really is going to hurt the insurance companies is not so much group life where they're seeing the losses. Group life is very short dated maturity contracts. Their whole life policies is where they're going to get clipped. These are the policies that rich individuals buy at, you know, $5 million insurance, $10 million. Uh, if they ever have to change their long-term mortality assumptions, they'll have to uh, book a bunch of losses. So they haven't done that yet. So I think that losses are looming for insurance companies, um, you know, because you can't reprice whole life. If, you know, if you were 20 when you got it and you were a rich kid, you get a $10 million policy and you're 40 today, you know, they can't reprice that. Um, and, you know, what I found interesting during COVID and uh, the end of uh, 21 into 22, a couple of smart, smart insurance companies started selling their whole life policies to people that are called reinsurers. And the deals looked bad at the time, but I think they knew something. And those deals are going to look great in hindsight. Interesting. Very interesting. I can't imagine that the work that you're doing it isn't going to have an impact, though, on say future labor projections, hiring and firing, those sorts of trends that are just, they base themselves on the risk 
of the type of people that are coming in. If you're if you're hiring a CFO to lead the company, I would assume that you're at certain point we're going to have to cross a, a, a Rubicon where it's like, were you vaxxed or not for the stability of the corporation? Is that a fair assumption? You know, I, I put out a tweet a long time ago. I, you know, we're trying. We're eventually going to start a hedge fund that's going to use all this work to inform us on the direction of economies. But I said specifically about the hedge fund industry, which can be applied to corporate America. There'll come a time when uh, investors will ask, "How many of the principals have been vaccinated?" Meaning. Are they making good decisions? What's their health status? I think that's coming. That will come. I don't know when, but that's that day is out there on the horizon. Could it be next year or five years? It'll 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 be out there. It would seem with this vax issue, the things that you're talking about in the economy, we're also going to start seeing a shift in new industries emerging. I just want to throw one out because I'm I was just asked to talk to the person. There's an effort now to create blood banks of clean blood. And we've never really thought about that until this point. And though this is a, a community effort, that would that would indicate an opening of new markets that we've never considered before, which is literally separating two worlds, those that were vaxxed and those that are unvaxxed. Do you see that as a possibility of that sort of split industry happening? Oh, yeah. The, the, there's Unfortunately, uh, because of what's happened, there's a lot of opportunity if you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking ahead and you believe what we believe. There'll be all sorts of, um, you know, right now there's there's a dating site that is just for the unjected, uh, where you, know, you can match with uh, other unvaccinated people. There's gonna be a whole host of things like that. Sperm, I'm sure sperm banks will emerge with just unvaccinated sperm. I suspect it might command a premium uh, over time once the knowledge of what's happened gets out into the world. So I think there's gonna be a whole host of opportunities also um, there's, there's new medical systems uh, that are a lot of doctors that were the frontline doctors that blew the whistle on this are starting to realize the medical system's broken. It's a top-down bureaucratic approach, and they're going to start their own holistic healthcare centers that are different from what we see today. So there's going to be a whole host of different um, industries that are going to, uh, you know, emerge from this. One of the ones tragically that's going to do well is long-term uh, uh, care facilities. Those are going to probably grow in number as the injured continue to pile up, which that tragically I don't want to see, but that's that's an opportunity. And private equity, uh, they may not know why the trend is occurring, but they're seeing an uptick in this kind of demand already. They've now declared it a growth industry, so they'll be just chasing growth. Wow. In the work that I missed from my perspective, the, the thing that seems to be happening out of this is a complete de, uh, deconstruction of this sort of centralized and very integrated supply chain system to where things are starting to root down locally, very local, and people going back to kind of an older way. Do you see that as a trend at all in what you're looking at? Yeah, so I think globalism is, is behind us. Uh, we had peak globalism a couple of years ago, and as things unfold, local is where all the growth is going to be. And there's a lot of opportunity locally. Um, it's just, it's, it's a nature of cycles and systems. So there was this effort to get the supply chains down to just in time. It's called JIT, J-I-T. And uh, when you do that uh, and you have a break, it screws up everything. And we're going to start uh, finding out that people want goods and services locally 
rather than relying on a global cha uh, supply chain, which is what it's been. That's why we exported all of our manufacturing to China. That looks like a stupid decision now. What about tech industry? Have you seen indications that they're being hit with the same impact of this, or are they somehow sidestepping this because of their advancements in AI and things like that? No, tech is getting hit because um, the censorship on these platforms is so bad that a lot of people are abandoning them. I mean, Facebook is having growth issues. I think Facebook is long-term done. YouTube uh, is long-term done. And there are other platforms that don't censor that are on the rise. It's just like what I saw with the newspapers versus Google. So it, when Google first came on the scene, Google was tiny, but if you knew anything about growth and trends, Google uh, was gonna steal all the um, advertising from local newspapers and they did. Uh, and the newspaper industry became a dinosaur. I think YouTube and a lot of these platforms are dinosaurs and they're going to decline. I mean, my son, uh, you know, is 20 and he came up to me, hey, dad, have you heard of this platform called Rumble? And I go, well, yes, son, I'm, I'm all over it. Yeah, you can go see me. Uh, but, you know, that's the kid. The, the kids are abandoning YouTube, Facebook. They're not on Facebook. They're not on Snapchat. They're, they will, you know, intuitively they like the truth and they said youtube used to be good but now you can't find anything interesting on youtube so censorship kills and it's killing the platform so tech is not immune to this if you look at facebook stock it has had uh, not a good time lately let's talk about your book that came out last december i believe correct great book and just and i, I really want to push it because it's it, you said at the time when you were on the show last that it was a coffee table book it is. It is a great awakening book. Just literally leave it and let people read it. What's been, how's that sales been going and are you planning others? So the sales are going well. It's spreading word of mouth. Mainstream media won't touch me. Uh, bookstores won't, you know, uh, put it on display. So it's, it's, it's available on Amazon. But what I'm hearing is this. So my book is a little different from some of the books the doctors have written because I come at it from a Wall Street point of view. It's just the numbers. And when I wrote the book, I left out the who and the why, because I want to get as many people into our into our camp. And you do that by not getting into things I can't prove. What I can prove is the numbers are real. The authorities see the same numbers that we see, and they're not talking about it. So it's a cover-up at this point. So my approach and the, and the straight Wall Street numbers analysis approach seems to be resonating with people that were not convinced. So someone like us, a red-pilled person, will buy it, read it, and go, this is good, give it to their brother who thinks that they're crazy. And the brother will get all of a sudden turn a little bit and say, hey, maybe there's something to this. And I've heard people buy the book, read it, they buy 10 copies and just hand it out. So it's kind of a word-of-mouth book. It's kind of, um, it has waves of sales like this, but you know the waves are going up and to the right. So it's, it's good news. It, the word seems to be spreading. Cause unknown uh, in quotes, and we put them in quotes on purpose to kind of mock that cause unknown. Right. The epidemic of sudden death in 21 and 22. And that's, I know it's available on Amazon. What are their outlets? Uh, Skyhorsepublishing.com. That's Tony Lyons. He's my publisher. Awesome. And do you have uh, any other work intended on this? We've been updating uh, our work on our website that we've done since the book is there, financetechnologies.com, spelled with a PH instead of an F, financetechnologies.com. You go to our Humanity Project 
we are uh, probably the world's authority on excess deaths, disabilities, and injuries, and doing an analysis of the Pfizer and mRNA clinical trials, proving that there was a safety signal there. They should have shut down the trial, but they didn't. You may not even be able to met, talk about this, but I know you mentioned a hedge fund that you were looking at down the way eventually. Is that going to be a public offering when that happens, or is it going to remain private offering? Uh, hedge fund marketing is unfortunately only for high net worth individuals. So, you know, people with a million dollars in assets can get in. If you don't, unfortunately, you can't. That's just the regulatory framework that hedge funds are in. We're currently, we've been delaying this. We, 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 we put it off because this work is so important and we don't have time to go run around meeting with investors, but eventually we want to find a seed. It's called a seed partner who will, uh, commit us a large amount of capital. In return, we give them 20% ownership of the company. But, you know, we really haven't been marketing the thing yet. We have a system, uh, you know, Carlos uh, Allegria, my partner, he wrote a book on economic cycles, debt and demographics. He's a PhD physicist in finance and physics. And, um, you know, he had already developed brilliant models that, uh, you know, uh, capture economic changes well ahead of everybody else. We're going to incorporate some of this research into those models as well. And we think we're going to have an ability to kind of, you know, over time, you know, grow your capital without taking a ton of risk. Going back to your roots, which is BlackRock, we keep hearing how much asset control they have globally. Is I can't imagine that this period right now is not, is doing well for them. I mean, I know that they control an enormous amount of global capital, but it would just seem to me that this period of everything we're talking about is also impacting them. Am I correct? So there's two things. So it, it's not, it's BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. There was this trend that started when I was a portfolio manager many years ago from what's called active investing to passive investing, or ETFs. BlackRock saw that trend and de-emphasized people like me for passive investing. And, and the, the controversies around the voting of the shares at the annual uh, shareholder vote. In the old days, as a portfolio manager, I would vote the shares. So me and my partner would vote, you know, would get together and talk about what we want to do. And that was, you know, across the country, it was individual portfolio managers. So it's kind of like a market of voting, right? Well, with the ETFs, the voting of the shares goes up, is kicked up to an executive committee, you know, those at the top. So Charlie Munger uh, of uh, Warren Buffett fame, he's the partner with Warren Buffett, wrote an op-ed saying, look, there's too much power in too few hands. So is there, is there bad things going on? I have no proof. Is there the, the potential for too much undue influence? Sure. But it's not just BlackRock, it's Vanguard and State Street. And they don't necessarily control these companies. They just, they're agents for other people's money, but they have a lot of influence by their vote. And uh, is ESG and all this nonsense hurting them? I think so. I think they're gonna start backing away from this as the public outcry. They're losing, BlackRock is losing assets from uh, you know public pension funds. And so they have a PR problem, I suspect. Uh, they're going to, you know, start to de-emphasize uh, ESG and, and DEI, all that woke nonsense. Because when when it, when it comes down to money, and you start losing money, that's when you you abandon things. These guys are hardcore capitalists. It's about the money. I think they were of the idea this would be a great way to make money, and now it's not. So they'll abandon it. The market will force them to.
That's really interesting. It, it really is because that's you're right. I mean, that's when they start losing, it hurts, and they're like, I don't yeah. think that's a good yeah. idea. And and these guys aren't. Really, you get you get to remember. I, I work with the people on Wall Street. They're not religious about anything. If it makes money, they'll do it. If it doesn't and starts losing money, they'll cut it. They'll they'll cut the head off as quickly as possible. I mean, you know, Wall Street's a bunch of mercenaries. I saw people get hired during the, um, uh, you know, the uh, uh, collateralized debt obligation boom, which are CDOs. They made these firms a ton of money, and then once they went south, they got fired. I mean, that's just the way it works. And, and that's just, and that's the culture, right? And that's, yeah, that's the culture. Mercenaries. <laughs> and, and you were, when you were in there, did you leave there for, for reasons like that? Just wanted to kind of settle into something else? Or was it just, you kind of hit your point where you were done? Well, I, I saw the firm culture had changed. When I started at the firm, it was smaller. It was more collegial. Then they did a series of acquisitions and it became a very big company. A lot of layers of middle management that had never managed money like we did. So we didn't respect our managers and uh, they tried to, you know, get us to, you know, uh, make decisions based upon their nonsense. And, you know, I left, I was burnt out. And then subsequently about three months after I left, my partner and all my colleagues were fired and replaced. So there was a trend from active management to passive. So I kind of got out before I would have been fired anyways. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Last, last question. And then we always close with a prayer. Um, You did a fantastic spreadsheet, which you sent me. I really appreciate it. And it was of all the families in Lahaina, it was directly linked either to give, send, go or Venmo has, is that continuing to be updated? And are you hearing good success out of that? Yeah. So that, that list is a, is a um, live list that three people control that, uh, you know, are good people. So the list grows, people have received uh, a a good amount of money and we're, you know, it it, it looks like the response has been overwhelmingly good. So I'm I'm appreciative of everybody that responded uh, and, and the the people of Hawaii are appreciative as well. So it worked, Uh, money went directly to them rather than, um, uh, than uh, going to the red cross who then keeps 85% of the money. So that list will continue to grow. Is that correct? Correct. It, 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 it's it's an organic document that is updated. The people who control the Google Doc can update or remove people as as they see fit. Okay, that's awesome. That's good to know. Any other last thoughts? And we're going to close with a prayer. But any other last thoughts on what was what's going on? Yeah. Look, if you're in the know, don't be in fear. There's a lot of stuff out of our control. But as long as you keep yourself centered and know what's going on, you won't be in fear. Life, I mean, this. I, I'm of the opinion this is gonna be a glacial Mad Max. So live your life, don't sit around uh, prepping all the time, and you know, make, make friends and, and contact with like-minded folks, because human assets will be worth more than digital assets eventually. That's good words. Well, we always close with a prayer, if it's okay, I'll do a prayer. Absolutely. Father God, I just wanna thank you for this meeting and just, it's always a pleasure to have Ed on the show and just the, the, the spirit that he has of just holding stalwart to that line of truth and to continue to elevate up truth and the idea, the inspiration that comes from that. Just ask you to continue to bless him and his family, keep them safe in, in Maui, and just to continue to bless all the island of Maui and those in Lahaina and just to continue to provide Ed with all the resources he needs to continue to raise up and bring truth to the world. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you. Really appreciate it. Very enjoyable interview. You're always welcome on the show. You know that. So just uh, thank you, Scott. Have a great you, day. You too. God bless you, man. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Patriots. That was Ed Dowd. Just an awesome, awesome voice and and researcher. Incredible work that he's doing and bringing the truth to the surface of what we're dealing with in the darkest part of this entire fight, which ultimately is the vaccine issue. And just the devastation on that is beyond measure. And he's the only one really that's putting the numbers together to prove the impact of the death toll that's coming about from this. And even worse, the the ones that are being disabled and injured or perpetually sick. All of these things are having massive impact on our economy and they'll continue to have big impact on our economy as we move forward. So again, it's going to come back to all of us having skills, being able to adapt down to a local level and being ready for a mass, massive glacial level shift on a global market that will ultimately force us all to look at the world in a different way and work differently together. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, 
which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray, we stand, we live by the words, in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 